It's football and other F words. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at F words pod. He's Mike Herndon. You can follow me on him on Twitter at Mike Herndon NFL. Uh, the title of the episode, as you probably already know, because you clicked play on it, is Disaster Peace Theater. And that should tell you everything that we're going to be talking about with this Tennessee Titans team that is uh, the weirdest season I can remember. And by far, the the season that basically after the Eagles game has just falling off the rails. Uh, what has not fallen off the rails, though, is the great food, great experience, and great drinks. You can get at Jasper's in Nashville. They're elevating the sports bar game. You have to go in there. They're the next evolution of sports bar. TV's everywhere. Uh, the the Orange Bowl is coming up. They are a Clemson uh, alumni watch party location. So if you're a UT fan, you should be going in there and getting wasted as you watch the worst uniform matchup ever d- d- decided at the Orange Bowl. It's orange on orange. Give me a fucking break. Blow my eyes out with a fucking gun because I am so I do not want to watch that game, but I'm going to have to because it's going to be an exciting game. Mike Herndon, you can follow all of his stuff on PaulKarski.com. Micah, it's Tuesday when we record. Sometimes you know what you're writing about. What are you writing about? Uh, I am writing about uh, some Malik Willis stuff. So okay. We'll, we'll That'll be that. good because we'll, we'll get into a little uh, uh, Malik Willis talk, of course. Talk of the town uh, and everything is the Malik Willis uh, and the future of this franchise, which I think is like pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, you can read all of my work. Over at BroadwaySportsMe.com, go get an insider pass today. And, of course, on Thursday. Will y'all do it on Thursday with a game, the Mike Herndon Show, or will y'all do it on Friday? We actually haven't talked about that yet. Um, we, we, Good last planning time, here. Yeah, last time we did it, um, we did it on Thursday and released it, like, Thursday afternoon so that it would be uh, out for listening right before the game, which gotcha. I assume is what we'll do again. Well, listen, you'll know when it's out. If you have an insider pass, so get a Broadway insider pass at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Mike, I don't know where you really want to start, um, but a lot of the stuff that, a lot of my opinions you can find in an article about Malik Willis on broadwaysportsmedia.com, tied with 48 hours later, has Malik Willis actually improved? I've also talked about it on the football show. Go rate, review, and subscribe over and wherever you get your podcast. should be out shortly. Well, definitely will be out by the time you listen to this. I thought in an initial watch, the initial eye test, I thought that he showed improvement. Now, there were some lingering things, but I thought for the circumstances that he was surrounded with, including his offensive coordinator, who decided to move away from RPOs for whatever reason, (laughs) I just will never understand and not use any of the weapons that they have used the last few weeks and behind a poor offensive line, I thought that he showed growth in things that we wanted to see growth from him for him from him for for from him. That didn't sound right. But anyway, the yeah. things that we wanted to see some growth from, we saw some growth. And I thought some of the things that he did well in the other other way, like getting out of the pocket, maybe he bailed too soon on a lot of pockets, but getting out of the pocket, making plays with his legs. He struggled with here. He's tend to stay in the pocket a little bit long. And I think he held the ball too long as well. That still seems to be a little bit of an issue. He had the highest uh, sack uh, time to sack rate in the pocket with 4.61 seconds per sack. And a lot of those are coverage sacks. So you got to kind of bail when you don't have what you see. I feel like he did, did better. Everybody else says he sucks. And obviously he's not great, but he's also a third round rookie. So I ask you, Mike, and don't give too much away because people need to go to paulkarski.com, subscribe and read this article that you're going to write. Do you think he improved on things that you wanted him to improve upon? That's the mm, That's because you I, saw the all twenty two, so I'm just going my initial yeah. reaction and my initial eye test. So I, it was a mixed bag for me because there were some things like there were some plays where he looked pretty decisive, like you know where he hits his back foot, the ball comes out, and it looks like you want it to. So that's good. Um, which, you know, there was almost none of that in the first Texans game. Um, and there was very little of it in the Kansas city game. So, um, yeah, I guess maybe a little bit better there. Um, but there was other stuff. I mean, there's still, 
he still struggles a lot to cut the ball loose on time. He is late to almost everything. Even the completions, a lot of times he was late. Um, so I think it's still like a, there's a timing element missing here. Um, there was almost no attacking down the field whatsoever. And I don't know if that's totally game plan related or him just not taking shots that were there. Cause there was a couple plays and I can think of a few like off the top of my head where like they had a cover two beater called the Texans ran cover two. The, the deep corner, like the seven route was open and he just didn't throw it. So there's definitely some stuff in there where he just looks like he has, uh, he's struggling to process what he's seeing. And I, you know, I think there's still a lot of it that's coming at him awfully fast, but you would like to see that start to get a lot better and a lot crisper. Um, And I, I did think he created a lot of his own pressure while like on second watch, I thought the offensive line actually was okay in pass protection for the most part. There was, there was a couple notable exceptions to that. Like, you know, two, maybe, a, you know, two or three plays, um, but for the most part, he had time to to at least get through a read or two um, before he was, uh, you know, covered up with defenders. So I, I thought sometimes he created his own pressure. Um, and some of those coverage sacks, frankly, weren't, to me, weren't coverage sacks. They were just indecisive sacks uh, where he had guys open or at least NFL open and he just squeezed the ball for whatever reason. And, and some of it, like there's like, there was a slant to Traylon Burks. It probably wouldn't have picked up the first down anyways. Um, but it was one of those where like he has to trust his receivers going to win and he should be throwing it on time. I think at the beginning of the game, right? It was, it was towards the beginning of the game and he should be throwing it on time. And if he had, it would have been a completion and, and you know, who knows, maybe Burks gets close enough that they go for it on fourth down or whatever. At, I think it was third and 13. Um, but he wants to see him win before he throws it, and that's just not how the NFL works. So there, there's still a long, long, long way to go with some of the processing stuff and and just the decision-making. Um, like the physical talent, I think you see it. I, I will say, like, I don't know that he – his running isn't as dynamic as what maybe I thought it would be. Now, he's he is a good runner. Don't, like, get me wrong. He's, he's, he's like a good more runner. Jalen Hurts. And then yeah. he is like Justin Fields or Michael Vick. Yeah, exactly. He's he's definitely more Jalen Hurts than like Lamar Jackson or or Fields for sure. Like I feel like Fields and and Jackson have another gear that they can get to from a speed standpoint that Willis doesn't. Um, and he just he doesn't like he doesn't necessarily pull away from defenders um, very often. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'm a little discouraged uh, overall with, with Willis and just how he looks. Cause I feel like he's just got so far to go. I mean, it, but isn't I know that expected like bad, why, but... why, you know, did we expect this to be ex- Why were the expectations for a third round raw rookie that it's coming from Liberty coming into an offense. That's really not an offense. That's particularly made for his skill set. Did we expect as fans, as analysts, for him to be anything other than what he's been so far. I mean, I don't know that, that anyone expected him to be great. Well, that's what it point, seems but... like. It seems like people had this expectation that he was going to be better than what he's shown and better. I think people expected a big leap from what you saw in preseason to what you see in the regular season when really we shouldn't have expected that. And I include I mean, myself in there. I think the, I think the issue is, regardless of what your expectations were, he's yet to throw for a hundred yards in an NFL football game. And he has had three full starts um, to try to do so. And, and it's not like the Texans or the 85 bears or anything like this is one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Um, and he, they, they just couldn't move the ball. I mean, Henry ran the ball. Well, um, you know, they, they obviously they ran it well with Burks. They ran it well with Willis at times too. So the running game was was good, and that's great, but they could not throw the ball consistently enough. And, I mean, at the end of the day, like, yeah, he's had three starts. None of them he's exceeded five and a half yards per attempt. Uh, he's yet to throw a touchdown pass. He has not hit 100 yards, like it's, I said. it's Those are alarming numbers. Like, if, if Kenny Pickett, you know, or, or whoever else you want to put in there, if Sam Howell was was the quarterback here, and he was putting up those numbers. Everyone would be going, "Uh, what's going on here? Like this, this is bad." 
Um, because you see, guys, I mean, like Baker I mean, Mayfield. Can I say something? What's the difference between ninety nine and a hundred? Okay, I mean, sure. You but, know what I'm saying? Like, but I, mean, I, I don't like that. hundred yards would be I, bad. I just don't like that. St- I, I, I understand, but I, I, I understand that. Like, I understand. Okay, yeah. If he was just at a hundred yards, that'd be bad. Ryan Tannehill just threw 165 yards. Like to me, it's like get to 200 if you want to be, you know, a consistent quarterback. I, I get that, but I hate the stat that well, he hasn't thrown for 100 yards. He threw for 99. If he threw for a 100 exactly, would you fucking be? Would you really fucking care? No, you'd no, say, it, would, well, it wouldn't say, make any difference. Yeah, but you could say that I for any that, number. That's that's more of a stat that like I just. It's one of those things where it just gets under my skin. It's like that doesn't. That's not the issue, right? The issue is he has. He's a he's a third round rookie who is not developing at the pace that everybody wants him to develop at, and he is got put behind. He did his best passing performance behind the worst offensive line and only targeting Chig twice and only targeting Traylon Burks three times. Now whether that's on him or the play calling, I just feel like this team is not set up properly for a passer like Malik Willis to succeed right now. Cause I think if you put Josh Dobbs in that same situation, we're probably talking about a similar stat line. Like, I don't think this is an offense that unless they start dedicating more to an RPO style offense for Malik Willis in, in the next two weeks, I just don't think this offense is really made for him. I, I mean, I agree with that. I, I, he's not in an offense that particularly suits his skill set, And that's, um certainly a part of this but and you look around the league and like i mean it's not like a high bar like we're talking about like sam ellinger and skylar thompson and trace mcsorley and john walford and guys like this they're all putting up much better numbers than than willis has and at some point like yeah stats are just stats and and there's a lot of other factors the titans have horrible receivers a bad offensive line you know all, all that stuff but at some point you need to produce it's like you know you need to put up some numbers because otherwise you know the eye test is is you know great but you've got to be able to produce like it is a production league at the end of the day and, and so you'd be okay as long like i guess my thing is so as long as you know he gets to uh 217 no touchdowns one interception but it's 4.82 yards per attempt you're okay. Like, it, no, it, that, that would still suck. But yeah, I mean, it, it is sorely, by the way. You just brought him up. I just, okay. You know, 45 right, passes. I, I, but like Trace McSorley on the season, his yards per attempt are higher than Malik Willis's by a significant amount. But it's also um, a different offense. Like, this offense yeah. doesn't call long plays for whatever reason. Like, they, Racy McMath didn't even find the field. Don't you think that's odd that Racy McMath, a burner, did not find the field at all? Not, not really, because tra- they were playing Traylon Burks, who has that vertical ability, and like, if if they were throwing deep, I would want them to throw it to Burks. Yeah, but couldn't like one of them help the other it. in terms of spacing out routes, or maybe taking a man with them downfield out of the box? Or I just feel like they weren't able to, unless it was an RPO, which all the almost all the RPOs were working, unless it was an RPO. They they were like, you know, just running the same old plays that they've ran all year that have been unsuccessful almost all entirely the same year. I mean, no matter the quarterback. I just, no, no, I, 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 I know just, it sounds like I'm making a thing uh, excuse for Malik. I understand Malik has a long way to go, and he's not – I don't consider him to be the answer of, for the, the Titans franchise in the near future. I think there'll be another year of Tannehill. But I just feel like they're not helping him. They're not, but he's not helping himself either. And that's, I think, what the problem, like, that's what I think. So just, they're basically, nobody's helping anybody. And yeah, I think it's a, two things can be true at once thing, right? Yeah, like, don't you think it's like, though, like, it's hard for a rookie have... to pull himself up? I mean, is I know he's a big religious guy. Maybe he's expecting prayers to work or something. I mean, Bryce Perkins, Bryce Perkins, a rookie for the, the Rams going in there has put up better numbers. <laughs> like, it, it is. I'm just saying it's been dreadful. Like the production has been dreadfully bad. It is terrible, terrible. Okay. Bryce Perkins, his two starts, 64 yards and 100 yards. But hey, you got that touchdown. Hey, he hit 100. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, 100 exactly. 
It, it, but that's where he is. Like he's in there with like the Bryce Perkinses, like the undrafted rookie quarterbacks and and people like that. I mean, it is it is really really low. And I understand all the supporting cast stuff. I totally get that. I don't I don't want to like make it seem like I'm just hand waving that, but it's not good. Um, it, it's just it, like he has not been good. It, it's there's no other way to put it. Now, could he get better? Certainly there's always the opportunity for guys to get better if he's working hard with it and, you know, can, can get over the hump at some point with some of this processing stuff. And it sounds like based on comments from coaches and, and people at practice that, you know, he's looked better. He's made improvements in that department. It just didn't really show up that much on the field against the Texans to well, me. He doesn't and, get to play the Titans defense. <laughs> the pass defense. Well, oh, the Titans defense is better than the Texans defense. That's the, the thing. The pass defense? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's close. Yeah, um, but it's uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty discouraged by Willis right now. I feel like if they did decide to go, and I don't think they will, but if they did decide to give him 2023 as like a sink or swim year, I think he would sink. I think they would be like three and fourteen, and and I think they would be drafting you know Drake May or Caleb Williams first overall and. 2024 which may be an okay outcome I, I don't know but it just depends on how much sanity you have left and willingness to watch this team <sighs> suffer through that next year so uh, yeah so it's... at the end of the day you feel that malik willis should have to overcome coaching and should have to overcome no. his surroundings and be an all-star every week so that's that's doesn't it. have to be an all-star just just be better than bryce Perkins, get, please. Get one more passing yard he would have yeah. had hey listen he would have had 119 if nicholas petit ferrer didn't have a holding call well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So that's yeah. Who? Speaking of rookies who suck right now. <laughs> yeah. So let's. I want to get into before we get into. Well, let's get into Vrabel's comments about these players sucking and not showing up. Um, I believe the day that this comes out, also Hot Read Podcast is coming out, and apparently, I don't know whether Easton has an inside source or whether he heard it in the press box, but apparently he knows at least one of the players that John Vra or John or Mike Vrabel was talking about when he said uh, there's a lot of guys that are just coming in from eight to four and expecting their God-given talent to uh, carry them over the hump. And I talked about this with uh, Braden Gall on a football show, which you can go out and hear now, of course. And I gave him a couple of lists of players. And I'm, uh, I'm going to read them off and you say, you say yes or no to whether they're an eight to four guy, in your opinion, or you think that they're an eight to four guy. Zach Cunningham. Yeah, eight four. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Bud Dupree. I I don't honestly know on him. Um I'll say I'll say yes. Though. Okay. Uh, Rashad Weaver. I'm gonna say no. I, I don't think oh, he is. Oh, interesting. Cause I because I a guy that can't even make it to his rehab and medical checks when he lives two minutes uh, away would seem like an eight to four guy to me. That is true. That's true. I didn't <laughs> I forgot about unless that. he got I'll... his butt reamed out and now he's he's good to go. Cool. Um I'm gonna throw this one I, f I find interesting. And the reason I say that he's possibly an eight to four guy is because and these next two names are because they keep making the same mistakes over and over. Roger McCreary and Nicholas Petit Ferrer. Now, let me, before you, you jump in, they can practice hard when they're at practice. And I believe that they are, but they're not putting in any extra effort. Yeah, I, I buy it maybe more with Petit Ferrer than I do with McCreary. I, I still think McCreary is pretty good. Now, like some of the stuff, you know, not getting the head around and things like that, like that's, it's painful to watch, but I, I think at some point that's a rookie cornerback making rookie cornerback mistakes. Um, and, you know, you'd hope he'd be better by this point in the season, but it's not like he's been terrible all year. He, he just had a really good game against the Chargers a week ago. Pete Frayer, to me, he has been getting beaten inside on outside zone runs by the same fucking move all year long. It happens at least once a game, and it is always a negative play, and it drives me nuts to see it because it's like it's like Dennis Daly getting beat inside with chip help. It, Nicholas Petit Ferrer does the same thing, except it's with run plays. And he, anytime he's got like a five technique on him that tries to jump inside, he gets destroyed. Like if I was a five technique, I'd just jump inside all day on Nicholas Petit Ferrer because he cannot handle it. He cannot react, and and he just like totally whiffs. 
Um, he just seems to be one of those guys that gets into like that. It's almost like a trance. He gets on autopilot uh, and, and is like going through the motions and doing his thing and whatever and, and forgetting it like, and it slows his reaction time down to like, oh, this guy did something I wasn't expecting him to do. Uh, oh shit, I, I should probably react. There's like this buffer period of, of him reacting to guys doing something unexpected that is problematic <laughs> and does not seem to be going away. Okay. Last one, Dylan Radens. Not an eight, he is he is definitely yeah, an eight to four yeah, guy, right? One hundred percent eight to four guy. Because you know, if he would have came in and put in extra effort, they probably would have put him in. Like they, I he just seems like a very laissez faire attitude. I would think so. Yeah. Okay. So the eight to four comments I thought were huge. In fact, I did a, a, a solo show on on Saturday night because I just thought they were so big because they are, and I think that he did a piss poor job trying to backtrack and, and, you know, say that he didn't mean it, but he even says on Monday, which he said a lot of stuff on Monday that that has been, he wouldn't tell the media and the fans, anything in these press conferences that he hasn't already had as a message to the players. And we know the big Jeff made similar comments heading into this Texans game about players not coming in early enough and not doing this or that. When do you think this started because of the losing streak or do you think this started and it created the losing streak? Because here's my my thing. I think a couple of these veterans, particularly Zach Cunningham, and I do think Bud Dupree, but Zach Cunningham at least has prior priors on his record that he gives up on teams and gets lackadaisical. Yeah. And I think that some point between being injured and seeing this team start to go on a losing streak he's just given up and i think a few players have given up and so i ask you what is your take do you think it's started before the losing streak and this is just the player personnel that's he's been struggling with all year and it just kind of like the dam the dam has broke he's been he's been holding it together with a band-aid and the band-aid's flown off and the town is flooded or do you think the town's flooded and people are just committing suicide and drowning because they don't care anymore I think I think it is more uh, something that probably developed during the losing streak because I, I thought, look, they lost the Bengals game, but they played hard in that game. It was close, like it was back and forth. It, they could have easily, they could have just as easily won that game. And we know the Bengals are a really good team. They lose that game, and I almost wonder if if it because it was the Bengals, because it was on the same field that they lost the the playoff game, you know, last year on if that didn't start to trickle in some, some, some of the self doubt uh, because the very next week, obviously they get blown out by the Eagles. Um, and if that, if it wasn't it already sliding off the rails at that point, it was fully off the rails because then they fired John Robinson and it just seems like it's been utter chaos since. And to me, it's somewhere between that Bengals game and the Eagles game. When this thing, when some, some in that locker room appeared to lose interest or lose faith in this team, having like the ability to, to get over whatever has been ailing them uh, recently. And I, whether it was just the injuries have mounted up to the point where like, Hey, we just, we ain't got the guys anymore to do it. Um, but uh, you know, you wouldn't think that would affect guys that, are on the field though, because to, you're still on the field. You still got to go show up and try to get it done and like, you know, take on more, if anything, um, with other guys out and, and it just has not happened. So I think the losing streak probably caused some of the eight to four stuff, uh, in my opinion, but that's totally a guessing based on just the, the nature of the streak and when, when certain events occurred. I I want to I want to ask something because I thought this was an interesting uh, topic that was brought up in my mentions and I want to I want to broach the subject with you. Do you think the players, knowing that if they got a DUI, that they would most likely have the hammer brought down on them by the NFL, especially if the speeding was involved, especially after Henry Ruggs and seeing that Todd Downing, who is not good at his job keep his job after a DUI, knowing that if they weren't good at their job, or even if they were very good at their job, they may get suspended. Do you think that has put a damper 
on this whole locker room issue? Because if you're talking about, you know, right after the Green Bay game is when this losing streak is starting. Do you do you think that's all tied together? Uh, I maybe maybe it does for some guys, but I feel like for the most part, at least your higher end guys, like. Yes, the league would punish him, but the, the league is still going to punish Todd Downing. If he is found guilty and convicted of this D, DUI, it, it is going to come with some sort of suspension, um, which would fall under the league, you know, person personal conduct policy and everything, just like a player would. Um, so I do think he's ultimately going to be treated the same. Now, like, would the would a player have been suspended immediately? Had that happened? I don't think so because I, I'm pretty sure sure that we've seen players have incidents like this before, and then the suspension just comes later, like after the the case has been adjudicated or the NFL's investigation is concluded or whatever. You don't think the Henry Ruggs thing? Maybe they crack down on players doing it a little bit more, especially if they're caught speeding. Because I mean, he was going a hundred miles an hour supposedly, even though that's you know not when he was pulled over. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's I guess I don't know that we have any cases that show that to be the case where the NFL would suspend a player immediately upon a DUI with speeding post rugs. Like, I, I don't know. I can't think of any that. But do the players know that? Like, see, that to me uh, is what you got to keep in mind from the player's perspective. I, yeah, you... I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how. I mean, I always think it's amazing how clueless players are about stuff that happens in the league that they play in at times where it's like you don't you don't know that or you don't understand that or whatever um but that it's entirely possible that they're looking at that plus the performance of the offense especially guys on the defensive side of the ball um and maybe some guys on offense too i don't know but in saying well if he's not gonna be held to the same standard then why should i or whatever i mean it's it's certainly possible i don't think it's justified um but I think it's possible. Okay, so on also on Monday, Mike Vrabel was asked by Terry McCormick, I believe. Terry said a few weeks ago, you said this team has the confidence in the confidence in itself to pull itself out from the losing streak and get a win. Does this team still have that confidence? And I may have messed up the wording a little bit, but that he basically said, do, do they still have the confidence they had a few weeks ago? And Mike Vrabel. Danced all around it. He didn't say, yep, they still have confidence. He didn't say, yeah, yes, you got it. They sure do. He didn't say anything. He danced all around it, went on this big, long tangent to avoid the word confidence and yes, talking about preparation and, and all this stuff. So I ask you, Mike, purposeful, coach speak, and do you think this team has confidence? Because I do not think this team has confidence right now. I don't think they have any confidence. I mean, they haven't won a game in a month and a half, um, and they just lost to the Houston Texans at home. I mean, if if they have any confidence, it's not well-founded. Um, now, maybe guys like you know Jeffrey Simmons and Kevin Byard have personal confidence in themselves, but I, I think they're probably – even those guys are probably lying to themselves – if uh, if they're out here saying that they they think this team's going to get it right and figure it out, I mean, I think maybe they think they could play well, but this this team deserves zero confidence from anybody, none. <laughs> I mean, I agree. Like, I, I I struggle with all these things that Mike Verbal is saying, and then having faith that this team is going to coach better, play better, like. It doesn't sound like this team is really just they're they're done. Like I th- I feel like they're I think save for a few you know of the front facing defensive leaders that are throwing shit out there that doesn't fucking matter and doesn't really inspire any confidence. Fake platitudes and words, um, which we'll get to in a, just a few minutes. I just don't think that this team can do it. So you know. We're we're at this point where we talk about this kind of stuff where oh obviously the Titans can't do it. They're 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 gonna be out. They're they're not gonna win this game. They're probably not gonna win the Jaguars game, and it's probably for the best. Do you have any confidence that this team is gonna play spoiler and this is a trap game for the Cowboys and the Titans are gonna win? 
Hell no. I, I've already put my my bet down on the Cowboys to cover, and frankly, I think I'm going to make an alternate spread bet that's like minus 25 or something like that. Um, this is going to be a blowout. There's zero chance the Titans are hanging in this game. Uh, the Cowboys still have stuff to play for. I mean, they could theoretically still win their division, uh, even if it's highly unlikely. But, you know, who knows with Jalen Hurts out, you know, may, maybe the Eagles slip up uh, a couple times here at the end. But um, they're still going to be playing hard. They're still going to be playing their guys. And the Titans have zero motivation uh, to win this game because it doesn't matter one single bit. In fact, it's better for the franchise if they lose this game because uh, at least they have the fallback of a potential top 10 pick if they lose this game and, and end up losing to the Jaguars. They're also super injured still. I mean, <laughs> we're still going to be talking about an offensive line now that won't have uh, Nicholas petit Frere and for all the trash I talked about him just a minute ago, you know, guess what? LaRaven Clark sucks, as we all suspected. And, yes, he, you know, Dennis Daly sucks too, but LaRaven Clark definitely sucks. So you're going to see Dennis Daly and LaRaven Clark uh, out there and as well as some other amalgamation of the crappy practice squad level interior offensive linemen that these guys have left and by the way the other team has Micah Parsons on it and a bunch of other good pass rushers so who have uh, something to play for who have something to play for so I think this is going to be a complete uh murder I mean you saw what the the Cowboys did to the Colts in that fourth quarter when they scored like 33 points or something like that on them I I Nothing would be uh, like I could totally see this being like a 63 to seven type of game or something like that. This is going to be a prime time cover the children's eyes bloodbath um, by the Cowboys. Children's eyes cover their eyes. Okay, some some positive news. We were recording this on Tuesday. Not possible. Positive news. Injury report. Danico Autry, limited participation. Christian Fulton, limited participation. Amani Hooker limited participation and i ask you all three of those guys should rest right yeah all, all of them except for derrick henry who i need to win my fantasy team no, derrick henry <laughs> definitely needs to rest <laughs> fuck your fantasy team hopefully it's, it's a herndon bull so go uh internet keep um but like so i want to dive into this idea that it's a losing mentality and Fans are losers for wanting certain players to rest and get healthy. Because if in my mind, if you're going to bring in the word losing mentality, then you're completely ignoring why they're doing it. Because they're doing it because they, for some godforsaken reason, they think they could win in week 18 and they have to get in the playoffs to get embarrassed. They just have to creep in there to get embarrassed. And to do that, they need healthy players. And I don't know if anybody watches these games that says that this is a losing mentality and a losing strategy. But guess what? You can guarantee three or four people are leaving this game with injury against the Cowboys. Guaranteed. At minimum. Yeah. So shouldn't you want Amani Hooker outside of your fantasy, fuck a fantasy football season, Amani Hooker, Derrick Henry, Zach Cunningham, especially Zach Cunningham, Bud Dupree, Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons, and NPF, and Christian Fulton, and to all rest. Yes. Is there anybody there that you don't want to rest? No, they should all rest. You should rest as long as you have enough players to field a team without guys. Like you should rest as many guys as possible. Anybody who's banged up, which by the way is almost everyone, not just for the Titans, but like in general. I mean, like almost everybody is nursing something at this point in an NFL season. That's just the reality of the league. You know, Vrabel's hold pet saying of the injury rate in this league is a hundred percent. That is true. Everyone that is important should be rested as much as possible. Cause the Jaguars are probably going to do and rest a lot of their players. And they should, they, they should be every, nothing matters except for week 18 at this point. And you have, and frankly, you have a better chance of beating the Jaguars, I think, than you do of beating the Cowboys. Um, so, you know, why, why try to, rush Christian Fulton back out with a soft tissue injury, a groin injury that, you know, soft tissue injuries can easily be aggravated uh, when trying to return. Why rush him out there just to have him, you know, play some snaps in a game that does not matter if you win it and you're not going to win it either way. Like he is not going to win this game. Fans are going to this game. 
they have to they need all they need to see all the stars so they can see them for a couple plays and see them get stretched out of the the off the field. <laughs> yeah, if 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 the uh value of your ticket is based upon Christian Fulton uh watching Christian Fulton get just reamed out by CD Lamb then uh you know I guess that that's your prerogative but uh no, the Titans should not treat this game as important. They haven't treated any of the other home games as important this year. I mean, they've been terrible at home when they've been trying. So who cares? It's going to be the same product you've seen all year anyways. Um, it's it's a team that sucks. So Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, my favorite one, though, is when you're saying this and you're telling people that, well, they're, they've already, first off, Vrabel already said Sunday immediately after the game, and which was Sunday's press or Saturday's presser after the game was the most vulnerable that I've ever seen Mike Vrabel because he said stuff that he's never said before. I mean, as this 8 to a.m. to 4 p.m. thing. But he also said that he's looking ahead at a game. They finally got it, Mike. They've asked that question every fucking press conference. They try to skip ahead, and they're always met with, we're we're focused on this week. We're not worried about next week. We're, we're focused on the opponent coming up. And now he said, yeah, we know where we're at with the Jaguars. Yeah, we're going to rest players. And now people are surprised that he's actually going to rest players. And and now they want it to go a step further. Well, if you're resting all your players, you need to rest Malik. No, Malik needs the experience. Oh no, Malik Malik needs to play all the snaps if he's gonna if he's gonna be the quarterback in Week 18. If he's the guy that they want to play Week 18, you know, assuming Tannehill isn't ready, then yeah, he needs as many, he needs as much work as he can get because what we saw against Houston is not going to be good enough to beat Jacksonville. So right, like you have to you have to. There's just no common sense or nuance with this fan base. I know I shouldn't be surprised, but it gets worse and worse and worse. And that brings me to not Malik Willis's comments on Tuesday, because I didn't find anything really truly bad with those comments, but the comments he made on Sunday after the game. Now, let me say this. There are, and I've said this numerous times on this podcast. There are different styles of leadership. There are different styles of expressing yourself. And my preference is not is not the Malik Willis I saw on the post-game presser on Saturday. It's a Malik Willis I've seen every other time, but that was this was a different Malik Willis or side of Malik Willis than what we've seen. We've seen a confident owns up to the mistakes, um, is always going to strive to be better Malik Willis, which I love. But on Saturday, he had these weird comments like, um, I'm about to sneeze, so hold on. (laughs) (laughs) These comments like, well, I feel the same as if we won by 30. Like, but you didn't win by 30. And he's just like a very, well, I'm just happy to be here. And, you know, God bless, hashtag blessed, and all this kind of stuff, which I hate. Like... (laughs) That is maybe, and if that's the real him, that's the real him. And I'm, I'd have to reconcile that and have to keep that in my mind. But that is not my style. And there are people fawning over this, these comments while simultaneously bashing Ryan Tannehill because he had the strength to get, to ask for help, which a good leader does, ask for help. And people said that he's a piss poor leader because now, he should have basically just struggled with mental health and worked on it on his own and not asked for help from a licensed therapist, which is just wild. This is wild stuff. And, and, and it went a step further about Malik's performance on Sunday where people said, gosh, I just tear up a little bit because every time I watch Malik Willis play, it's just like watching Steve McNair. Oh, my God. With these tweets. These tweets are fucking ridiculous. So what are your thoughts on those comments? And it's not necessarily to bash your... Malik Willis, because if if different pe- different strokes for different folks, right? But from a standpoint of your players in a locker room, I feel like some players will be okay with it, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of players, especially in a, a climate like it is right now in that locker room. The tensions are high. I'm sure there's a lot of players that that rubbed the wrong way. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And look, I mean, I, I like kind of like what you said. Malik Willis's outlook on life seems to be very healthy and positive 
and I'm very happy for him personally that that's the case. Um, and it's probably a, a great way to be for everybody. That's that's true. However, I think when you think about an NFL football team, and you think about all the like leaders, the best leaders in the league um that we've seen come through and the guys that people rally behind and things like that can you remember a single one that would not have been pissed off at losing to the worst team in the nfl at home like i i can't remember one i mean hell even marcus Mariota, who's like the, the nicest quarterback in the history of the world according to, to most people well, probably uh, not anymore i mean it seems like malik willis is going to take that mantle yeah it seems like he might be right there um, but even Mariota had the, the press conference where he said he was pissed off and then had to apologize to his mom on, on the next press conference. So like even Mariota would get pissed off and, and kind of let it show uh, a little bit. So to me, if I'm in that locker room, I'm probably not crazy about my quarterback who is a part of why we lost to the worst team in the league coming out and being like, oh, well. We lost. Uh, not really a big deal to me. I mean, uh, you know, I'm going to be happy either way. Uh, I'm happy to be here <laughs> because you know my livelihood's on the line. My family's on the line. Like this is the way players look at this because it's true. They don't. They only get so many years to play this game, and if it is wasted on uh, you know somebody who just doesn't care, or, or you know if it's wasted on a team that sucks or whatever, that is a year that they can't get back. Uh, and it's the year that they put their bodies through hell to get uh, done, too. So to me, if I'm a player in that locker room, I'm like, hell no. I want you to be pissed off like I am that we just lost to a terrible football team at home. And I'm embarrassed by the product that we're putting on the field right now. And to me, it would not sit well. And, and I like I don't know how it sits with the Titans locker room because I don't you know, I'm not talking to those guys about it, um, that kind of thing. So I don't know how how it's gone over with them. but. I don't love it because can you imagine Tom Brady who look, we can't hold everyone to the Tom Brady standard because that is an uh, pretty much an unmeetable mark at this point. However, can you imagine Tom Brady being like, Oh yeah, we lost. Um, not really a big deal. Cause I'm just really happy to be here. Happy that, you know, I woke up this morning. So, um, you know, that's, that's no, like, in, and, think and about, like Michael he... Jordan and like all these other guys, like, the competitive sickness, like this yeah. is something that, that um, Rod Babers talks about a lot on a, a Texas Kobe, podcast. Let me say this, Kobe before. Bryant would never, you wouldn't be caught dead saying that. Exactly. So like in a lot of the the top, top, top competitors, they, they have, a, it, it is like a sickness. Like they are ill people and like, we shouldn't necessarily root for that, uh, for them from a personal standpoint. And look, if Malik Willis can somehow be great, and be the world's nicest guy and most well-adjusted human more power to him. Like I, I would be extremely impressed, but I, most of these guys, the part of the reason that they're driven the way that they are. And part of the reason they work maniacally day in and day out and like put the, like Tom Brady ruins his family over football and, and everything like that is because of like, this is the way that they are. This is the way that they are hardwired and Malik Willis does not seem to be wired that way whatsoever. Um, and it makes me wonder what like his ceiling can be to some degree. And I know that's weird to say, but it's true. I mean, like I can't think of a single really high level competitor that has the outlook on life that he does. And like I said, it's not that I don't appreciate that outlook. I just don't know if it can work in a ultra competitive sports environment, um, at least not on a high level. So I, we'll see. But I, it would rub me the wrong way. I'll just put it that way. And I'll say this. I think he should get a little bit of grace for for, for those comments and, and, and the being that he is young, right? And maybe he doesn't know all the right things to say or anything. And he does have such a uh, religious aspect to his background. On the uh, And I will say this. On Tuesday, when he was getting interviewed in front of the lockers, he said a lot of great things that reminded me of why I really loved what when he was having pressers in the preseason and in, and in the offseason. I think this is just really one slip up. So I don't think it's a um, necessarily he's splintering the locker room or anything, but I do think that he needs to learn. I'm, I'm sure he's probably learned because we know by his comments today that he had a meeting with all the players leading up into this game which I think is a great sign of the leader that he can be. 
but he does need to get a little bit of that that anger to him. It's okay to be angry. I mean, God yeah. was angry throughout the Bible a lot of times, so it's okay to be angry. Yeah, play you know, play with just, a little bit of edge. Yeah. Lead with a little bit of edge. I think you got to have that. Um, which leads me to the comments made by Kevin Byard and Jeffrey Simmons made on tweets, and everybody's like, oh, they're like, oh, thank you for coming out in the cold. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll play harder. We appreciate you, though. And we'll play harder. We'll play harder, guys. And everybody's just like, oh, we're, we're just totally going to forgive you for, you know, the fucking loss. And Kevin Byard getting spin around, spun around by some no-name tight end. You know, oh, it's okay, guys, because, you know, oh, we, we believe it. We believe you. I want players to stay off social media. <laughs> I'm just, I'm so sick of these players tweeting and tweeting out dumb shit that doesn't mean anything. It, it harkens back to the days. It gives me PTSD when Taylor Lewan, you know, wrote a thank you letter to Chandler Jones. Look, you want to reward fans and give fans something to be excited about? Win a fucking game. I don't care about these empty words about, well, we heard you out in the stands and we appreciate you. Well, fucking do something. Like, if that is the, the theme of the locker room, fucking do something. And I know the defense isn't really that much to blame, but they did give up nine points in the fourth quarter. So spare me these, these fucking tweets and these fans cheerleading and celebrating all these dumbass fake positive tweets. Get pissed off, like we said about Malik Willis. Jeffrey Simmons, Kevin Byer need to be pissed off. They should turn a tweet. Say, hey, apologize to all the people that came out and wasted their time. Because let me tell you something. Kevin Byard already told you, do not show up. He told you earlier in the week, do not show up to this game. So I apologize. We fucking suck. Just drop an F-bomb and just say we sucked. I mean, just, fuck it. Just just do it. Just be real. I feel that's so fake, and I feel fans fall into this trap of, oh, man, uh, you really? Oh, everything's better now. <laughs> like, give me a fucking break. Well, yeah, they, uh, they they are like, oh, maybe this is the turning moment. This is yeah, this is the <laughs> turning tweet. point where this fucking tweet. Uh, yeah, they they said, well, thanks for coming out. Um, yeah, I, look, it, the the most of what they heard from the fans in that game were boos. There was a lot of boos from what I heard on the TV copy, which um, you know, think thankfully I was just barely watching because uh, I was doing family stuff, and uh, that was a lot lot more enjoyable than. Uh, <laughs> watching that game um but it was uh yeah it was a lot of booze that you heard and and rightfully so and and look it should be 90 percent cowboys fans in the sun stadium on on thursday and i think it will be and and they'll hear some some fans out there on thursday cheering when the cowboys are on defense yeah um this the what did you think about them postponing it for an hour because when that happened Oh my lord! People were clutching pearls, Mike. Like you wouldn't believe it. On I know you said you were spending Christmas Eve with the in-laws. Um, yeah. But oh my gosh! And oh, and the, the people in the press box were my favorite ones because they're sitting these tweets out. Can't believe the Titans would postpone this game and and blah 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 blah. And um, they should be thinking of the fans that are out in the cold right now while they're up in the press box. Probably not. You know adhering to the 68 degree mandate by the TVA, by the way, probably that I bet that press box was at like 72 or 73, but they're in the press box. Like the, the fucking just, just faux outrage on behalf of the fans. Let me tell you something. The same thing that we said on Wednesday on the show. If you're dumb enough to go out there to root for this team, that was going to be in a shitty, boring game. And guess what you got a shitty, boring game. And you get mad for over an hour when you could go to the pro shop. If you're on the club level, you could stay inside. If you're out in the t still tailgate, you can stay in your cars, drink more beer, warm up. If you haven't made it over the bridge yet, you can go back over to Broadway and go use up some of that energy that they fucking wasted all, all uh, the previous night. I'm over. I, I just think this stuff is so fucking stupid. And of course, I had to get political because, you know, Mayor John Cooper made a statement, but it was technically the NFL and the Titans' decision to do this to try to get stuff situated because of the power outages of people that were literally across the street that have been without power for 11 hours. Give me a yeah. break about worrying about people who chose to go to a Titans game. Yeah, I mean, look, if you chose to go to a Titans game, you chose to commit to being outside for a while in that weather. <laughs> so, it, you know, whether it's three and a half hours or four and a half hours, I'm not sure it makes a huge difference. 
at the end of the day. And like, I, like I get it's inconvenient. It's also inconvenient not having power in your fucking house. So, um, yeah, I, I think <laughs> taking care of the, you know, grandparents and children that were stuck with, you know, houses that didn't have power or heat and, you know, we're having to cuddle under blankets and stuff like that, or, or, you know, do whatever to keep warm. This is probably a priority over the people who chose to go to the, the entertainment, uh, you know, venue for, for the afternoon or whatever. So yeah, I, I think it's kind of ridiculous. It, look, and I, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not an electrical engineer, so I, I don't know how much, uh, the Titans delaying that game by an hour really helped uh, from, from an electrical standpoint, but if it helped bring even like a few houses back online or whatever, it's probably worth it um, because that was a dangerous situation. A lot of people were facing in their homes, um, you know, again, who were just trying to stay warm in their homes, not go to a football game. Yeah. So, okay, Mike, Christmas Eve, you get home. I think I think some time had passed. It was a little late at night, and we're all in the group chat. <laughs> and you are in the most dark place I've ever seen you be. This is worse than for listeners who have listened since at least 2021 when the, the Titans lost to the Jets. I mean, I'm sitting here was having to do damage control between Lebowski and Mike. I'm talking him off a ledge. You know, Lebowski, I think, had a knife, you know, to his throat, <laughs> and you were you were tying up a noose. But Saturday, Christmas Eve. You were in such a dark, terrible place that you essentially said, and I'm not making this up, that pretty much expect nothing but darkness and despair for at least five years. <laughs> so, like, you were, you were done. Time has passed. We're in, it's now, not Saturday anymore. It's now, you know, uh, Wednesday, or when this episode comes out. You're away from family. You've had some time to settle down. I know the holidays are stressful. I know that game was stressful. Are you still in a place where there is no hope and only darkness and, a, and the, the basically hell is set in front of you? I'm not sure I'm uh, in a place where there's no hope, but I am. Uh... You were Saturday. I mean, you were, you were in rough shape Saturday. I don't know if you hit the whiskey hard or may, and that got a little depressed on you, but man, you were in terrible, terrible shape. It was no. It, look, I, it, the offense is in a, a terrible shape uh, moving forward because look, looking ahead to twenty twenty three. Because like, let's just say this this season's whatever the end result is, it's it's not going anywhere good, right? Like if they win in Jacksonville, great. You know they'll get to host a playoff game and and probably get smoked by whoever uh, you know comes in here for that one. Um, and then they'll be done. So it, this season isn't going anywhere. Looking ahead to next season, like what on offense do you are you 100% sure about? Because uh, you don't know who your left tackle is going to be. You don't know who your left guard is going to be. You don't know who your center is going to be because I think there's a real pos possibility, if not likelihood at this point, that Ben Jones retires um, after dealing with multiple concussions this year and being all you know up there in age anyways. Um, Nate Davis is a free agent. You could bring him back. Sure. But that's not a guarantee. Cause you know, at this point two have to make that decision. Like you can't just say, Oh no, they're just, they're going to bring back Nate Davis because Nate Davis has to decide he wants to come back too. He could easily just go get paid by someone else in free. No, I have to decide it as well. Right. I mean, because right. a guy can't stay healthy. What good is he? Right. I mean, at so this there's... point, you know, like I, and I understand what you're getting at. But um, at this point, I mean, there's a lot of people that I think that we thought were for sure must signs that I'm like, well, if they don't sign them, I'm, I'm kind of going to be okay with it and kind of understand it because they can't stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a major issue. And it's been a major issue for them, obviously, for the last two years now. But, you know, you don't know who your right guard is going to be. You Like right tackle, probably Nicholas Petit Frere, but he's been so bad. Like he's been really bad lately. And and I was expecting him to get a lot better as the season wore on. And he showed like, he showed some flashes. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not totally out on him, but there's a lot of frustrating things with him at this point that he just, I don't, I don't know. He's going to be a part of this offensive line in some form or fashion. Like he's going to probably be the starter at right tackle, but I don't know if he's going to be good. Um, you know, if he's what he, what he is this year again, next year, then th that's going to be a really bad situation at right tackle. Um, obviously Traylon Burks, you feel pretty good about him 
you know, moving forward. Jacob Conquo, you feel pretty good about him moving forward. They, I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback, like they, whether they're going to bring back Tannehill, whether they're going to rip the Band-Aid off, whether, you know, they're going to give it to Malik, Malik Willis, or whether there's some, like, door number three, uh, you know, option there that, that they want to look at would be through the draft or free agency or whatever. It, there are so many unknowns. And, and maybe you spin it as, like, that's a good thing because this offense was so bad. But I don't know. I, like, with the resources they have, you know, they're, they're up against it cap wise. They can certainly create some cap room and like get enough money to be able to maneuver and add some free agents. But like they would have to sign like four offensive linemen to new deals, you know, in, unless you're going to go with a rookie, which rookie offensive linemen suck. So like, I don't know. I, I'm just in a spot where like, I don't know where the hope for 2023 is on offense at this point. Like, sure, you get, get a new coordinator, you know, and and maybe you can bring back, you know, Tannehill and Henry and rebuild the offensive line and hope that all sticks enough to, to you know, make them good again. But there's so much uncertainty right now and just, like, not a ton of resources to deal with. So I, I just I, – I have a feeling – they're not going to be good next year. This is going to be the Jaguars division in 2023 and probably 2024. And we're going to be looking oh, at you're like, going two years. Wow. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, do you in, believe in all this Jaguars hot streak stuff? I think the Jaguars are pretty good. I, I, I think, I, I think Trevor Lawrence has figured some things out, at, you know, and you know, I talked about on a uh, football show last week, you know, they're going to get Calvin Ridley uh next year to add to this this group and they found some things offensively that works um i think they're going to be good for a while i I really do i mean that that is uh, i don't believe i don't believe zay jones this is the real zay jones the real evan ingram and the real christian kirk like i believe these guys are just they're in a hot streak right now and that's where i'm at with the jaguars i think everybody's on a wild hot streak and i don't think it's sustainable and i'm not going to believe that calvin ridley is going to be any good just because and just because he's been off for a year and all that kind of stuff because I mean players typically are not that great when they've been off for a full year. I mean, I, I'm not I guess I'm not saying that I think the Jaguars are gonna go fourteen and three next right. year. But I, I think they're gonna be the best team in the division, like pretty clearly, um barring some like wild moves from either the Titans or Colts or Texans, frankly. I mean it the the Titans to me are closer to the Colts and Texans than they are to the Jaguars right now. Yeah. Okay. So all hope and dis- all hope is gone. Despair all the way through. And we'll Pretty we'll much, get yeah. we'll have a ton of time to dissect all the all the stuff that you got wrong and said wrong today uh, in the <laughs> when the future episodes. So because I want to go ahead and get us out of here. But Cowboys game. We you you are saying that you're going to bet Cowboys. 23 and a half is that is that what you said you think they're gonna win by 24 or more i'll have to look at what the actual alternate lines are but i yeah i, I think it's gonna be like a 30 or 40 point win Woo! how many points will the titans score mike less than 10 less than 10 yeah i could kind of see it unless they just go full on rpo i could probably see less than 10 there's just no way to stop micah parsons and and this defense it's just it's just too damn good it's just too damn good, and the offense that they're going to be filled in is, is is piss poor. And I do not expect Derrick Henry to play. I'd be shocked if he played because it sounded like today on Tuesday the press conference that he had in front of the lockers. It was thirty nine seconds long. The, the entire press conference was thirty nine seconds long. I don't think he's going to play, and I think he's pretty pissed that he's not playing. That's oh, I'm sure kind of the read I got on it. He, uh, you know, he's chasing another rushing title. You know, he's got Hall of Fame stuff on the line and things like that. Uh, as he's trying to kind of like put the final touches on that resume, and yeah, I'm sure if he if he is asked to sit down, which I I agree, I think he will be. Um, I'm sure he's not going to be happy about it. So thirty to forty point win for the Cowboys with uh, Mike Herndon over here. And I'll, I'll put it this way: I'm yeah. I'm going to watch the Texas game, and I'm I will probably have the Titans game on a tablet next to me and check in on it every now and then. Okay, I think I am going to go um ooh, it's hard to say because I don't know if Danico Autry and Jeffrey Simmons are playing, but I think I'm going to go 35-10. Is where I'm going. So 25 points. So still bet the 23 and a half. 
Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go put that put that down right now. <laughs> that will do it for us. We're not responsible if you lose money for betting 23 and a half, by the way. And please gamble responsibly, like 188, gambling, whatever it is, and all that kind of jazz. We're, we can't be held responsible that you chose to spend your money on whatever joke that we decided to say here. That's on you. You, It's your money, your choices, your device, your decision. For Mike Herndon, you can follow him on Twitter at Mike Herndon NFL. I'm Zach Lynch. Follow me on Twitter at EffortsPod. This has been Football and Other Efforts, brought to you by Jaspers the next evolution of sports bar you have just been effed.